Let's talk about anger management. What to do as a parent when you are triggered, when you are in fight, flight, or freeze mode, or when you just wanna let rip when you're about to lose it. This is unfortunately a scenario that I know all too well. So today I'm gonna to give you a whole new way at looking at this experience of feeling the rage and feeling the anger bubble up inside you and what you can do about it so that you can manage this and not be destructive, not say things that you do not mean, not do things that you will regret, but instead start to bring more of the calm and the zen to your day-to-day -day life with little kids. You're listening to The Parenting Junkie Show, the place to go to love parenting and to parent from love. I'm your host, Avital. Hi, I'm Avital. Welcome back to The Parenting Junkie. On this channel and in all my work, I help you with mindset coaching. So how to become the parent that you always wanted to be and that you know you can become. How to love parenting and parent from love. And in my membership, Present Play, I teach parents how to create family bliss. We go through 12 incredible themes every single year. We cycle through these themes with thousands of parents around the world in over 73 countries. Because parenting is really important. It's really meaningful and it's really, really hard. And we need all the support, tools, lessons, and community that we can get to help us stay on track and become the parents that we wanna be. You and I didn't have kids so that we could go through our days feeling burnt out and in survival mode, angry, rageful, even hateful at times. We didn't have kids because of that or for that experience, but sometimes, very often, parenting does become that type of negative experience. Now, I have always been incredibly drawn to peaceful and conscious parenting teachers, books, ideas. I'm really into it. I love it. The problem is that I have a temper. I am temperamentally quite emotional. I have outbursts. I feel things in quite loud volumes. I am a sensitive person by nature. But over the years, I have learnt uh, how to manage these aspects of my personality, how to amplify them and use them for good, but also how to quieten and minimize the aspects that can be destructive in my relationships and in my life and to myself. And the reason I say that is because I often found that when I was listening to teachers that taught incredible things and write incredible books, I felt as though they weren't really talking to me, as though these are people who are just naturally much more peaceful than me, naturally much more mellow or or, um, maybe they have a lot less kind of triggers in their life. Maybe they have fewer children. Maybe they have a simpler uh, life or just a, a more chilled temperament or whatever it was. But it seemed to me like, at least the way it sounded in the books, or maybe it was just my projection, but the way that I understood it, it seemed to me like it was coming easier to them than it was to me. Like they were just naturally less you know, conflicted people, less emotional people, less angry people. And it made me feel like as much as I love this whole idea of peaceful parenting, maybe I wasn't cut out for it. Or maybe there was something wrong with me, something broken in me because I wasn't managing to live up to the standards that were di dictated in the book. I wasn't managing to always just breathe my way through getting triggered or not yell for days on end or not lose it, not feel angry, not feel 
that that fight flight uh, freeze mode rise up in me so I don't know if you've ever had that experience or if you've ever had those thoughts like oh if someone could see how I'm parenting they would see that I'm a fraud that I'm not peaceful that I'm a bad parent I'm messing up I'm yelling at my child I'm um, d disgracing them or shaming them I'm blaming them I'm doing all the things they say not to do in the books I'm threatening I'm raising my voice I'm getting angry the whole time and I'm somehow an imposter right or, or or I shouldn't be a parent I shouldn't have been a parent I'm not cut out for this that type of thing I don't know if you've ever had that kind of train of thought but I certainly have and that's part of what led me into this field to begin with uh, to become a mindset coach because I so very much needed it and could continue to need it for myself. So for me, it's not something that comes naturally. And sometimes when I learn from very, very Zen people to whom it simply comes naturally, they're just not as likely to get angry. Uh, I find it a little bit alienating or a little bit concerning as if, well, I can't reach that standard or that doesn't apply to me or they're just better people. They're just, you know, they have a better character um, than I do. So I want to share with you one mindset, and this is part of quite a few videos I've made about anger, about losing it, about how to not lose it, different techniques and different ideas and different mindset shifts that can help you reframe your anger and manage it much better. Because I do think that anger is natural and sometimes inevitable, but I also think it's pretty corrosive to act on anger and to yell and to call our children names or yell out threats or be, you know, explosively angry. It can be a, a bad experience for kids to grow up like that. And I say that in pain because I know that I have done those things at times and sometimes still do. However, this mindset shift that I wanna share with you today has resonated with thousands of, uh, of my clients, of present play members, and I think it will resonate with you too. And it might be helpful for you in viewing your anger and your rage and what to do when you feel it rise up. So I think sometimes we tend to overcomplicate uh, anger management or anger in general. We tend to get really in the weeds and really down on ourselves, really feel, feel guilty and ashamed about the fact that anger might be triggered within us, that we feel that sense of, of, of rage, of frustration, of irritation, of um, annoyance or, or really full-on anger come up. We want to be zen, we want to be chilled, we want to be patient, we want to let things just slide off our backs like water off a duck's back. And then when we're not, when we're activated and when we're triggered, we feel hijacked. We feel like we're out of control. That out of control feeling of our bodies, of our voices, of our words, it's not a good feeling. It can lead to a shame hangover, right? The next day or the next minute when you kind of come to your senses and you feel like, what? Why did I say that? Why did I do that? Why did I throw that thing? Why did I yell? Oh no, the neighbors heard. Oh no, I just damaged my child, right? We feel ashamed, we feel embarrassed, we feel guilty. And that loop is very corrosive to our sense of self, to our day-to-day -day life, and of course to our children as well. Let's not pretend it isn't, right? It's disturbing to them to see us out of control, perhaps to see us in scary, really scary behavior, right? Like making scary faces or doing scary things. That's not what we want in our homes. I'm sure if you're here on this channel, that's not what you want. And yet let's face reality, let's be real. It is what happens for many of us much of the time, especially when things are tough, when we're at home for days on end or weeks on end with our children, when we have very little help and support, when we are facing tough times in our marriage or in our finances or in our health. We're just on edge. We have less patience. We're more likely to lash out. 
and it gets ugly quick and it feels really bad inside. So today, rather than give you breathing techniques or um, specific mantras or ideas like that, I wanna give you an overarching framework to think about anger in. And it's just one of many, but try this on for size and see if it helps you as it does help me. I have come to think of getting angry, of being triggered, right? Being in fight, flight, or freeze mode, very similar to being drunk. That's right, to being drunk. Getting drunk on alcohol. You know, we all know what drunk people look like and behave like typically. And there's a whole host of behaviors, of results, of consequences, uh, and a process that drunk people tend to go through. Some people get really really drunk and some people just get a little bit tipsy. But either way, one of the key um, aspects of being inebriated is that you have an inhibition of your control centers in your brain, the frontal lobes. The frontal lobes of our brain are in charge of cognition, of thinking, of memory, of judgment, of making common sense good, uh, good plans and making good choices. So when we get drunk, the alcohol inhibits that part of our brain, basically puts it to sleep, and it's not it's not in charge anymore. And that's why when you're a little bit tipsy, you feel a bit more relaxed socially, you feel a bit more confident, you're able to you know, say things you might not otherwise say or get up on stage. Or when you get really drunk, you completely inhibit any sense of good choices, of common sense, of being respectful, of making, making sense, of being grounded. And you start to do things that are really outside the realm of good judgment and outside your realm of memory. You often don't even remember what you did uh, because memory is inhibited when you're drunk. When I say inhibited, I mean your frontal lobes are inhibited, but you might be completely uninhibited, right? It actually uninhibits all of our insecurities and all of our judgments and all of the things that hold us back from embarrassing ourselves, from humiliating ourselves, from putting ourselves and others in danger, uh, from doing things that really might not serve our highest good. And that's also why people often feel hungover the next day. They feel physically hungover, but they also feel emotionally hungover, right? They just don't know what they did. They don't remember. They, they have flashbacks and regrets about things they said or calls they placed or, you know, how they ended up feeling and what they ended up doing. And they feel the sense of maybe shame, maybe guilt, maybe just an unease uh, about the way the whole thing went because they lacked control, because they were completely out of control. Now, there's a time and a place uh, for getting drunk and this isn't about judgment, but the point is that many people do sometimes get drunk. Um, and the fact is that drunkness happens. People drink alcohol, people uninhibit their prefrontal cortex. And there is a lot uh, we know about that process and about how it works. And because we know about it, and because we know it's a fact of life, and because we know that people go for it, whether good or bad, we put certain boundaries in place around it, right? We know that people get drunk, and therefore we don't allow people who are drunk to drive. When you are drunk, you may not operate heavy machinery. Why? Because we know that your judgment is completely impaired, many of your cogni cognitive processes are impaired, and you will not be able to make good choices and drive safely. And you will be putting yourself and others at grave risk. And that's why when you're drunk, you don't drive. What do you do when you're drunk? Well, hopefully when you're drunk, you wait it out. 
right? You wait to get sober before you sign a contract or before you do any big things that are going to make a big difference to your life or before you do things that might endanger others, right? When you're drunk, you need to be in a place and wait it out, right? In a safe environment that's not going to allow you to harm yourself or others. Now, I'm not a brain scientist, so I can't make these comparisons on a, on a highly scientific level, but we do know that when we get triggered, we go into fight, flight, or freeze mode, right? We basically uh, suppress our prefrontal cortex. We suppress thinking, cognition, anything that involves making long-term processed thoughts and uh, decisions. We can't really make choices. We're in more of an instinctive mode. And that's because flight, fight or freeze mode is there, is designed to get us out of a dangerous situation very quickly, to respond instinctively, right, animalistically, not with our philosophical uh, value-based brains, but just with our gut instinct. So that if a tiger was standing in front of us, we would quickly run for it, climb up a tree or fight them with fire or do something uh, dramatic and quick and not start to think, well, what's the best plan of action? Hmm, what are the pros and cons? We don't have time for that when we're triggered. We have to quickly react, not respond. When you get angry, what's happening is that your body is perceiving your child, for example, like a tiger and you're reacting and you're like, I'm gonna teach that child a lesson. I'm gonna hit them. I'm gonna throw something. I'm gonna yell. I need to let off steam. And you suddenly have this very big urge to be reactive and that's your body trying to protect you. Unfortunately it's misguided protection because of course your your child is not a danger and of course you don't want to take those actions. If your prefrontal cortex was engaged you would say no I, I don't want to yell, I don't want to be punitive, I don't want to hit, these aren't things I want to do and you would be able to control your actions and be able to make wise grounded choices. But because you're triggered you can't do that. Your body's taking over and you know this is happening because you start to feel a physical reaction to the situation. You start to feel your heart beating um, faster, maybe you get sweaty, you get flushed, your fists start to form, at, ready for a fight, maybe you start to retreat from the room, like going into your shell, that's the flight or the freeze mode, right, where you're just paralyzed, where you just can't think, maybe you start to raise your voice, maybe you start to make faces and really think of yourself like a cat, you know, a cat that's trying to make themselves seem bigger and their hair stands on end and they show their teeth and their eyes and they try to seem very threatening and that's because they feel threatened and they need to now project the strength onto their perceived uh, opponent. And so that's what's happening for us. Now that is very similar to getting drunk in the sense that your prefrontal cortex is not online. Instead your amygdala is firing and that's that prehistoric part of your brain that coordinates responses to things in your environment, things that trigger emotional responses. That prefrontal cortex is where we think about things, where we uh, plan protocols and procedures and make logical sense and the amygdala is making emotional sense. I feel in danger so I'm quickly going to like my hair is going to stand on end and my my nails are going to be exposed and I'm going to react. It's not me sitting here thinking, huh, my child's misbehaving. I don't like this. I need to think of a way to uh, show them that and to set a clear boundary. I'm not zen. I'm not calm. I'm reactive, right? So if you think about it a bit like getting drunk, what's the key thing when someone's drunk? The key thing is that they shouldn't make any grand gestures, right? They shouldn't make any grand decisions. They shouldn't do anything that endangers them or others and they need to wait it out. It will pass. They will sober up 
And there are some things they could do maybe to help themselves sober up quicker, sure. But ultimately, it's a function of time. As the body metabolizes the alcohol, as the body comes down from having all that alcohol in the blood, the prefrontal cortex re-engages. And we are once again inhibited by our judgment, right? We have better judgment, good judgment back online. Now, this is exactly what we want before making key decisions, right? Don't operate heavy machinery when you're drunk. So that's what I would say to you is when you feel yourself getting angry and every time you feel yourself getting angry, I want you to realize that being triggered is something that passes. It's a chemical reaction in your body and it does go through a wave and then it comes down. We don't stay very angry for very long. You might get angry again, for sure. And I want you to watch my other videos on this to help you learn how to address the kind of the core uh, reasons for our anger. But what I want you to really take on board today is this idea of waiting for things to pass, of taking a break. The thing that I teach my children and try to teach myself is that when someone's angry, the key thing they need to do, the main thing they need to do is take a break. They need to not talk absolutely not the time for negotiations, for setting rules, for setting boundaries. Um, it's not the time for discipline. It's not a teachable moment either for us or for our children. It's not a moment for communication. When I'm angry, I know I'm going to say things in a bad way. I'm going to phrase things in ways I'm going to regret. I'm going to do things that I don't like. I'm going to act out of the anger. And my key thing that I need to tell myself is if I'm angry, mm, I got to zip it. I gotta hold it in, I gotta move away, I gotta retreat from the situation and let that anger pass. Once it passes, I can think clearly again. Suddenly I will have my brain function back and I will be able to come back to the situation and think more in perspective, more in proportion, more in an appropriate way to a child and not to a tiger, and I will be able to handle it. Now, I know what you might be thinking. You might be thinking, but Avital, I need to respond in the moment. I need to discipline my child in the moment. And to that I say, do you? Maybe you don't. You know, I know we have this idea from the behavioral sciences, especially when it comes to things like dog training. We think that if a dog pees on the couch, you've got to kind of yell at them right there and then. Otherwise, you can't have a conversation with the dog later. You can't later say to the dog, you know, um, Rex, I don't want you to pee on the couch, so please uh, go outside to pee, and when you need to pee, please tell me, right? That's not gonna happen later on. We need to react in the moment so that they have immediate negative reinforcement to what they've done, and they know that we were displeased. But the good news is that children are not dogs, and we can have conversations with them later on. We can tell them, right now, I need a break, I, but we are gonna be talking about this when I calm down, because I wanna come at this. I don't wanna say things I'm gonna regret. I don't wanna be angry at you. I wanna talk about this. I think it's really important. Definitely needs to be uh, discussed and treated, and I don't wanna ignore it, but I also don't wanna operate out of anger. I think that's an amazing lesson to teach kids, right? That because this is so important, because I'm very unhappy with what you've just done, or because this is a situation that shouldn't repeat itself, I'm going to take the time to calm down so that I can actually react properly, respond, right, properly, rather than just react out of anger. This is something you can do for yourself and for your children too, right? When my child is angry and they're making demands, I want more screen time, I want more chocolate, she hit me, he said this. I say to them, that sounds like a serious thing that we wanna talk about and figure out. We can't do it when you're angry. Take a break, let the anger pass, 
when we're all calm, that will be a fantastic time to have this conversation. I'm really happy to discuss this. I just can't do it when you're angry or when I'm angry. Neither of us are in our thinking modes. Neither of us have good judgment. We both need to calm down first. It's just a matter of fact thing. It's just like, I can't drive now because I've had a few, right? It's not a possibility right now. It's just not something I can do. I would put us all at risk if I did that. So I'm wise enough to know that I'm under the influence and therefore driving is not an option. S same too, I'm wise enough to know that I'm under the influence of anger and so having a conversation right now is not an option. All I can do right now is minimize my damage, let it pass through me, metabolize it, digest it, let my levels get back to a normal level of uh, of judgment, and then we can solve this problem from a very healthy and excellent place. So to sum this all up, I don't want you to feel spirals of shame and guilt. I want you to realize that you will get triggered. It's a normal human response to triggers, to situations that upset us and worry us. There is a lot we could do to reframe our mind so that we get less upset to begin with. But once that process has begun chemically in your body and your amygdala is now firing and your prefrontal cortex is offline, the best thing that you can do is to wait it out. And you need to remind yourself that all you need to do is zip. I know that's easier said than done, but it is possible and you can do it. You can tell yourself, I'm not in a position to drive right now. I'm not in a position to talk right now. I love you dearly. Let's put on music. And when I'm calm, we will discuss this. If this was helpful for you, let me know. And don't forget to go on over to presentplay.com where you can sign up for the waitlist. Present Play is an online membership with thousands of parents all over the world, all working towards creating family bliss. I will guide you through the priorities, exactly what you need to establish in your home so that you can love parenting and parent from love and really stave off that burnout. Uh, make sure that you are in high energy and full strength, very, very capable. We'll talk about handling parenting solutions. We'll talk about handling energy and self-care. We'll talk about design of your home, decluttering and minimalism, handling time, handling relationships and community. There is so much in present play for you to discover. I can't wait to welcome you in, hopefully, in April, but it only opens once a year, so do make sure that you're on that wait list so that we can welcome you in. So much love to you and namaste.